This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Here we go. It's the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, and it is Monday. We start off a whole new week here from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Salerson's in studio today as well, although I didn't pull a microphone in front of his face. Hi, Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, very good. So uh, we have a busy day here in Studio B. Uh, we will not be in this studio by ourselves too long. No. No. Uh, Tremere from the Pelicans dance team will be stopping by, as is customary on a Monday. And then our special guest is Laura Cayuette, uh, a New Orleans-based uh, actress and writer and producer and director. And she is a huge Pelicans fan. She and her husband are season ticket holders. And uh, we meet her for the first time today. You'll know her from a lot of different movies. Yeah. Kill Bill, Volume 2. Django Unchained is a big one. Uh, she was a part of True Detective. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Friends. Some big episodes of Friends. Yes. And we'll talk to her about that today as well. We'll get her opinion on the Pelican season and uh, some of the stuff she's got going on, including a new book that has um, that will be out, I should say. Uh, coming up, I think she said, in the next month. And the backdrop of the story, it's a mystery. The backdrop of the story is the uh, Saints Super Bowl season from 09. So uh, we'll talk to her today. So she's a, she's a great guest. I, I think we'll cool. enjoy it. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and then, of course, we have a Pelicans win to talk about. We have Pelicans injury news to talk about. Yesterday at the Smoothie King Center was like this wild swing uh, that started in the afternoon when the Pelicans announced that um, uh, Anthony Davis would be shut down for the remainder of the season. Uh, both Daniel, you and I knew that he was hurt. I don't think we were ready for that news yesterday right. afternoon. He was we listed thought- as out already, but I thought it was just out for the game. Right. And I guess in the back of my mind, I knew there was a chance. Uh, based on where the season was, how many games were left. But I didn't expect that bomb to be dropped yesterday afternoon. Right. And then the Ryan Anderson news came up. That threw me but, off more. Yes, uh, especially because he had scored 30 points uh, again uh, in doing so in Friday night's loss to Portland. And so then two days later, the Sunday afternoon game, 5 o'clock, uh, now he's unavailable because it had been so easy in the seven games that Anthony had missed. All right, we'll just Ryan in and sit right in there. So with all that being said, now you're going to play the fourth seed in the West, the Los Angeles Clippers, who are pretty angry about losing three of four, including uh, a Saturday night game to the shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies. None of this looked promising. (laughs) Am I I being fair? Okay. I'm just, it is what it is. No, it was like, okay, we have seven guys out. We're going to play eight. Agenza's coming back, but had a fractured sternum, so who knows how much he's going to play. You have a D-League guy in there, a 10-day contract player. It was... And the Clippers scene that is fighting for seeding. Yes. And so then Pelicans go out and win. That's why we're not gamblers. Hang on. 109-105 uh, yesterday uh, to win. They're now two games above 500 at home. Uh, it was a big win because uh, Tim Frazier uh, had a new career high. He's played three games with the Pelicans now. He's twice now set new career highs. Uh, last night was 17 points, seven rebounds. Uh, he also had a couple of assists. And he had four steals. And I didn't talk about this on the air last night because I guess I, it didn't hit me at the moment. But he had four steals in the game yesterday. Uh, we also had a season high from Dante Cunningham. He had 19. Omer Ashik picks up his first double-double of the season. 
uh, as he said, a new season high in points with 15 and a new season high in rebounds with 14, 13 of which came on the defensive glass. So all in all, even with the bad news yesterday, yeah. it was still a very interesting day. It was. And from the Clippers' standpoint, you know, you talked about them being mad about the Grizzlies' loss. They didn't seem too mad. They just seemed, as you mentioned on the broadcast, disinterested, bored, yes. to say the least. And they just looked like, let's just get to the playoffs or something because they it really, just didn't look like they were in it at all. They really can't improve their seed. I don't think they can hurt their seed a whole lot. No, I really don't. But still, you don't want that poor momentum Correct. going into the all-star or no going doubt. into the playoffs no matter if you have the i mean with the west too i mean i know right now they'd be scheduled to play memphis who's has just as much injuries as we do but that first round he might be not not surviving so right. it, it just didn't look like there was a sense of urgency from them especially when if you can get wins you need to get them and to lose the two shorthanded teams like memphis and new orleans not a good sign for the clippers whatever their problem is i don't care because not i enjoyed problem. the win yes uh, here's Tim Frazier after the game yesterday, his first visit with us on the Pelicans Radio Network. And for the first time this season, we will visit with Tim Frazier in a star of the game role as he led all bench scorers with 17 points. And here in his third game with the Pelicans, sets his second new career high as a result with 17. Tim, congratulations. What a great team win for you guys tonight. Yeah, man, this win was huge, especially like we had fought back in the last game against Portland and we weren't able to pull it out. You know, we got another chance at home and we were able to, you know, fight back and come out come out with a win. What was the mood today around this team as the news of Anthony Davis kind of came to fruition? Ryan Anderson can't go on top of everything else. How did you all go about your business today with that in mind? Oh, man, we're a team, man. And one man goes down and next guy, next guy steps up. And another guy went down another guy has to step up. And we just wanted to go out here and fight. You know, if we got a chance and we came out here and fought, for the whole 48 minutes, man, we'll come away with a win. Are you are you uh, putting your best foot forward for us here in these three games already? No, that's not about me, man. I'm just here just trying to help the team as much as possible and try to get as many wins as possible to help the organization. Will you talk about perhaps the third quarter? You guys are down to you hold them to zero field goals for half a quarter. It, it really seemed to be the turning point of the game, Tim. Yeah, man, we want to get stops. You know, that's how one of our staples here since I got here, they, they preached that to me about getting stops and rebounds and pushing the tempo. We were able to do that in the third quarter, and, you know, that's why that's we were able to push up our lead. Tim, I want to ask you your opinion of what, and I know you've only been here three games, but we've been waiting to see games like this all season long. As a guard, what does it do when a player like Omer Oshik has the type of game he had on the inside to open it up for players like you? Oh, man, that's huge. Anytime you can have a big man that's rolling and finishing in at the rim and getting rebounds is, is, is what he did tonight, man. It helps as a guard because the, the bigs can't help off as much. Tim, congratulations. We really enjoyed watching you work tonight, and we'll see you on Tuesday. All right, man. Appreciate it. You All right. And then following the game, head coach Alvin Gentry not only spoke with Pelicans.com, uh, but the Pelicans Radio Network and the media in general. I uh, want to play this for you as well because he talks about the win, uh, but then he also – uh, touches a little bit more on Anthony Davis's situation, which includes, as we found out during the game yesterday, a torn labrum in the shoulder, surgery required, left knee issue, surgery, um, highly recommended. He's going to have both done. Um, no date was given. I understand it will be fairly soon to begin that rehab process. Uh, and here's uh, Alvin Gentry on some more of that following yesterday's win. Coach, congratulations. The ask that you made to your team, made of your team before the game was to be extremely competitive and give it their best tonight. It looks like they did just that. Well, I thought we did. I thought we played hard throughout. We didn't always play extremely well, but I thought we did a 
great job of competing like crazy. And uh, at some stage, I thought everyone stepped in and did something that was real positive for the team. Uh, I thought the bench played well. Uh, everything was great, you know. I thought we pretty much had control at the end of the game. And uh, no, nah, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. It was a good win. It was a very good win, okay? Very good win. Uh, our guys competed like crazy, and we played through all the adversity. You got a great game from Omer Ashik, um, the kind of game that probably most fans would love to see all the time, but tonight he seemed to have a special purpose to him, Coach. Well, I thought he played great. I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job defensively. Uh, for the most part, we all did it. I mean, I thought we did a great job defensively. You know, they shot 40%, uh, a team that's, you know, ranked in the top five offensively in the league. So uh, we did a good job with that. Uh, you know, we were on our heels a little bit at the end of the game, but, you know, we still found a way to come through and, and, and win it. So to me, that, that was the most important thing, uh, the, the, the way we competed and then the way we were able through all the adversity to find a way to come up with a, a couple of free throws and a basket at the end to win the game. To me, that was that. You know, it, it was it was very impressive uh, from the standpoint of the way we competed and 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 against a real quality team. You know, that struggled last night, and so you would you would know that they would come in and try everything they w could to try to get a win here. Just that perseverance at the end to hold on and not let the victory slip away. The type of grit that you need to see next season on a night in night out basis. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jen. I think you know we're we're just looking at a lot of things, and that's one of the things that I think is going to be very important. That you know we find a way. We you know we let a 14 point lead slip away, but we found a way to still persevere and win. And that's got to be a part of the character of our team. You know, from this day going forward, and. Uh, you have to be able to compete like that group competed. So uh, when we get all the guys back that are injured, we still got to compete at that level, though. Did you have talking a little with Chris Paul there? Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the best. I mean, I, I, I honestly believe that he's the most competitive guy in the league. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it would be hard not to take – if you had to win one game, it would be hard not to take him. I mean, I just know him, you know, and I coached him and – I had him in all-star games, and as a matter of fact, the last game in New York uh, two years ago when we coached the all-star game uh, at Golden State, one of the things that I said to Steve, I said, hey, we got to get CP back in the game, you know. It might not mean much to you, but it's an extra 15000 for the assistant, so. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he did. He put, him back, he put him back in, and he guarded LeBron, and he had like eight points and five assists, I think, down the stretch. So, you know, I, I, I think he's the best. I mean, I, you know, I just... I love his competitive spirit, and uh, you know, and, and he's still an unbelievable player. Did you discuss AD's absence with them before the game, or use it as motivation at all? To no, no. I mean, uh, we knew that he wasn't going to be with us, and the only thing that we talk about, like I said, we don't ever talk about the guys that are not there. We talk about the guys that are there, and we talk about you know just walking out on the floor and competing at the very highest level you can. And if we do that, then we'll accept the results. We always say that as, as a coaching staff, if you give us everything that you have and you compete at the highest level, we'll, we'll take the results every night. What about the – talk about the decision to end AD season, Coach White. Well, I mean, I, I think everything that we do is for the, the – uh, first of all, is to protect him. And then secondly, it's for the betterment of the franchise. And, you know, this gives him an opportunity to just – you know, to, to get everything corrected and, and, uh, and then really 
give them an opportunity to, to, to be ready for training camp next year and be fully healthy and not have things that linger or, or, uh, or you know, a little thing here and there. So uh, I think it's in the best interest of him and the best interest of the, the team that, that, that he doesn't play anymore this year. You now know it's a torn labrum. For him to have accomplished what he did playing with that type of injury, what does that say about his character and toughness? It says a lot more than people give him credit for, you know. And, I, and, I, and as I said earlier, the only thing that really angers me and, and, and agitate the heck out of me is when people talk about him being, you know, there's a difference in being a finesse player and being a soft player. He's a finesse player. He's, a, he's got unbelievable skills. He is, there's nothing soft about him. And if you can play with the injuries that he has and you average 25 points and almost 11 rebounds, then that speaks volumes to me. And there was plenty of time where he played where he was hurting or, you know, his knee was bothering him, the shoulder was bothering him, and he just played right through it. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great player. And, uh, you know, I think he deserves, you know, every honor that could possibly come his way because I think what he's given us this year, I don't know if there's very many players in the league that could have even come close to giving us what he's given us. Well, you know, obviously everybody kind of feels that way in certain situations. What, what, what we try to do is that when we walk out on the court, we try to play at the highest level that we can. And wherever that gets us in the draft, that gets us in the draft. I've never been a guy that thought that, hey, let's get extra ping pong balls or whatever. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you sell that to your players. And so for us... Every night we step out, we're going to try to be as competitive as we possibly can. And then at the end of the year, you know, whatever that is, it's whatever it is. Okay. I think that puts a cap on yesterday's yeah. Pelicans game. Back at it tomorrow night against the Miami Heat. More on the Pelicans with Tremera a little bit later about the schedule for the week. Uh, it does get a little fast and furious here. There are 13 games left. Basically, there's basketball at least every other day. And then a back-to-back or two thrown in there, two of them, before the season is over. So this is going to be crunched in to uh, between now and April the 13th. I'm glad the NBA decided to give us our four days, four games and five nights at the very end of the yes. season. I wanted to get it over with early. Sure. Yeah, that's coming up in Thank April. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. That'll be Philly, Boston on the road, Lakers, Phoenix. We'll talk about that when we turn the calendar page. Uh, on the Saints side, John DeShazer, by the way, is uh, on his way to Florida for the NFL owners meetings. They begin basically tomorrow. Everybody's kind of traveling today. Uh, John will be with us on Wednesday. That's the day that head coach Sean Payton is scheduled to speak. And if you kind of remember from last year, I think they're required to speak for almost an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so not only will we get John's preview of what's going on at the meetings and that visit with Sean Payton on Wednesday, then later this week we'll cut up and dissect uh, what Sean Payton has to say here. And really probably the last time we'll hear from him until the NFL draft. That's just my guess, but that would yeah. probably be a way to look at it. And obviously this coming during the free agency period, which is certainly not, not done by any means. Um, we talked about free agency on the defensive side last week uh, with the two linebackers. I think I think there's more to be done. So, yep. Okay. We That's, ready to take our first break? I think so. All right. When we come back, Laura Cayouette, um, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Stay with us.
If you haven't experienced our new and improved sideline premier seats, then you'll want to check them out. Offering the closeness to the action, but full vantage point of the court, it's a great opportunity to entertain clients, associates, and friends. Sideline premier seat ticket packages include parking, food and beverage credit, access to private clubs, and more. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to learn more about these premium seating options today. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Summer's coming and Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating is ready to serve you. Keeps offers a 25-point precision AC tune-up for only $119. Get your AC ready for the real heat that's coming. And as always, call Keeps and we'll get you cool in three hours or less, guaranteed. Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating. For fast relief, call Keeps. Your New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guys Night Out on Tuesday, March 22nd against the Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. This is one of those interviews on our podcast where I wish we would have started rolling tape when the guest set foot in the studio <laughs> this morning. Um, Laura Cayuette is our guest here on the Black and Blue Report. She is an avid Pelicans fan, uh, not from New Orleans, but now a New Orleans girl, to say the least. I think I've learned that in the five to ten minutes that we've already <laughs> spoken but uh, most of you will all know her more as a as an actor, uh, a writer, a director, kind of a Renaissance woman, aren't you, Laura? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, like that I think so. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the, I think that should be on your business card. <laughs> right under pussyfooter. Right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, I do have to ask you because you're such a charming and pleasant woman. When I think about your filmography a little bit, uh, Django Unchained, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Killer. Uh, there's a couple of them. You've been all, also a, affiliated with uh, True Detective. These are dark, heavy roles, films that you've played. You don't strike me as the type that <laughs> would dive into such um, darkness, shall we say. You know what's interesting, though? A lot of the things that you name, if you think about it, I'm actually the lightness in that. Like, for example, in Django Unchained, I was sort of the lace amongst all that leather. You, you know? were. Yeah, I just did a, a movie that came out recently called Convergence, where the director said the same thing, where he had chosen my character to be the one ray of light in this very dark, dark story, this very dark world. So, yes, I have been in quite a bit of dark material. How does one um, stay so light in <laughs> such films? I, you know, first of all, it's a job. You know, like, so when you go to your job, there are days where we've lost way too many things in a row or what you know things are just a bummer and uh 
and it's a job. You separate yourself from your job when you have to. But um, I guess the other thing is that I'm attracted to things that are intense. I'm yes. attracted to things that, that uh, I'm attracted to filmmakers who are passionate. And uh, I like thinkers. And I'll be honest, as a thinky person myself, you know, the more you think, the darker it gets. Yes, no, they are dark, <laughs> but they're all thought-provoking films. Um, <laughs> And I think they're all great stories, too. I think you're part of a great storytelling tradition. Oh, that makes me happy that you say yes, that. I would agree. Um, you were the sister of Leo, Leo DiCaprio's yes. character, right? Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> what's the set like that has DiCaprio and Jamie Foxx both involved? That, that seems to be the perfect dichotomy, if you know what I mean. You know, it's funny because sometimes the relationships on set mirror the relationships um, of the characters. And so Jamie was more at a distance from Leo and I when we were filming. And um, and I think that was organic to the setup, you yes. know. So um, I don't know that they spent a lot of time together, but but we all spent a lot of time together. And I guess the biggest difference would be that um, Jamie is a comic and an entertainer in that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Leo is more of a, what? I, I hate to use a snooty word, but an artist mm -hmm. and a, a craftsman. Some. So, um, so during downtime, you might have one of those moments where Jamie Foxx would... Um, we, I, I don't know if you know this about Tarantino sets. They play music all the time whenever we're not filming. No, I did not know that. Yeah, so, and it's a, a wide variety of music. Sounds like Pelican's practice. <laughs> it really does. It, yes. Well, um, so, uh, I remember one time when we were shooting the dinner, the dining scene, um, we had a downtime and my prerogative came on the loudspeaker and Jamie got up on the, you know, there's a balcony area around the living room. And he got up and started dancing and doing all the moves from the video. From Bobby Brown, yes. With all the um, background people who were playing house slaves next to him. So it was like Django and the Slavettes doing this dance. And they did every move everywhere as if they'd been rehearsing it all day. And, of course, it happened spontaneously. But with... Leo, and I'll use the same thing to make an analogy. With Leo, he actually sang all day. He sang all day, all day. And he sang everything from songs from the 1700s, the era that we were portraying and living in, mm -hmm. all the way through whatever you would have heard of on the radio that day. And he sang, I don't even know how he knew these things. He sang Mardi Gras Indian songs. He really? Sang, uh, it was extraordinary. He's a human jukebox. And... He, his understanding of music is, <laughs> he got so into the festivals here, like you could not keep him away from Irma Thomas. and th He just was into our music and our culture. Good insight there. Right? Um, how many times have you been killed on screen? <laughs> um, I'm about to be killed again later this week. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I've never counted it. I've never counted it. Although I will tell you that when I did kill Bill, which was the first of four movies I ended up doing with Quentin Tarantino. But when I did Kill Bill, my little brother was mighty unimpressed because he said, yeah, but 
you're nobody until you die in a Tarantino movie. Which you've done. <laughs> Which now I've done spectacularly. Yes. So, uh, yes, I nailed that. <laughs> nice. Um, all this uh, seems to parallel the Pelican season right now. I, I don't know uh. why we went down this kind of gruesome path to start. But, um, how have you as a, as a Pelicans fan been able to deal with a trying season? Let's put it that way. Well, I, if you're going to compare it to acting, I spend most of my time not getting what I want. Mm. I mean, that's the life of an actor is that you spend almost all your time basically doing job interviews for jobs you'll never have, which every single job interview in an actor's life requires hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of preparation. And so my experience of the world is that you work your butt off. Yes. And you... Play hard, leave it all on the floor, and then probably nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> it, nothing will happen after April the 13th. Did you, uh, were you at the game last night? I wasn't able to make the game last okay. night because of the Mardi Gras Indian Super oh, Sunday. That's right, Super Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. No, there were so many things going on in town. Wasn't, I know. It was great. Um, but the news of Anthony Davis came out. We talked about that earlier yeah. on the podcast. And, um, and then they go out and beat the Clippers, which there are, there's, a, there's a short list of teams that I really thoroughly enjoy beating in the NBA. And you know, <laughs> I remember my first Hornets game, my big joy was that we were playing L.A. and I got to yell for hours, beat L.A., beat L.A. After living in L.A. for 18 years, years, that just was sort of cathartic for me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This is, this, is a, this is not our smoothest season. However, um, I think, you know, we're with a new coach and mm -hmm. we have players that, just literally walked onto the court a week ago and said, hi, I'll be playing with you today. <laughs> you know, Good so um, I don't know exactly what anybody would expect. I mean, we're really. It's really unbelievable. I've never been through a season like this before. So um, I'm hopeful about next season. That's for sure. Well, New Orleanians are nothing if not hopeful. Have to I will tell you, uh, you, you mentioned <laughs> that I'm not from here, but my roots reach back to the 1700s here. So I will, my family owned property on St. Charles a million years ago. And, I would have to say that my mother's indomitable spirit, my father's inability to, to stop, you know, all that comes from this dirt. You know? Yes. Yeah. And then you married a New Orleans guy. Yeah, and I married Park. One. I mean, come on. This yeah. is very good one. So. I did it. Yeah. Armstrong Park. That's right. That's right. <laughs> when, look, we were talking just a few minutes ago. You have a nice, impressive list of people that you know that have a name in, in basketball. But there was what – and not, not – they don't get credit for you becoming the NBA fan that you are now. No. So where did it, where did well, it start? Well, it's unusual because when I was in college, I was a nightclub DJ in Georgetown. And so I had a lot of notoriety locally. Well, actually, all up and down the East Coast, mm -hmm. if I was in any college environment from Maine to Florida, people knew me because I was the only female DJ back then. And um, so I, I kind of had what a following before these guys who I'm about to mention, Patrick Ewing went to Georgetown and I right. worked, you know, a couple blocks from the school and David Robinson went to the Naval Academy. This is all the same time. And he uh, graduated the same year as my college sweetheart. And so I knew him from around the Naval Academy campus. Lenny Bias and I went to school together. And uh, for those who don't know Len Bias, he, was going to be the most amazing player in the history yes, of the he world. He was going to change Boston, basically. Yeah, well, he did for the, you know, 
for the worse uh, <laughs> upon his death. Yes. Yeah. So, and the University of Maryland took a 10-year hit over that yes. as well. So uh, he was an extraordinary player and an incredible guy. And uh, then as I've gotten, you know, further down the road in my life, um, John Sally and I were in an acting class together. And because both of us have really long legs, we would sit in the front row together. <laughs> it was RuPaul, too. <laughs> the long leg people in the front row. That's a true <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember the first time I saw him in class, he was wearing um, all four of his rings. And I just glanced and said, dude, are you wearing brass knuckles to class? <laughs> it's like, no, no, look. And how can you not be impressed by that? He had four NBA rings on. In an acting class. In it, well, I don't know where he was going after. Clearly women were involved. But um, but yeah, and then Scotty Pip and I had hung out with her. Um, he, I guess, was attracted to me and some girlfriends I was hanging out with and mm -hmm. wanted, to, wanted to hang out with us quite longer than he did. Um, and, uh, and then his, uh, team's owner, Paul Allen is a longtime friend of mine. And so all these are people who, I guess at any point I could have been inspired to watch a game of, sure, or, something up, right? I don't know, be at all interested in what they were known for. But, um, I was a football girl. I just, you know, basketball wasn't my thing. It just wasn't. It never pulled me in. And so, and I think in part because um, football to me is more like gladiators and, and there's this very visceral, like, um, I guess it's summed up in that whole, you know, football, you bet kind of feel, you know? Like, sure. And, and basketball, you know, they don't need pads. <laughs> so, but it's just as physical. <laughs> right, but it's yes. a different kind of physical. It's about endurance and women are, you know, we're pretty square on endurance. <laughs> so, so, but the strength, we don't have that kind of thing. So yeah, for me, I guess you're always fascinated by whatever you're not. And I couldn't play football to save my life. So I guess I've always been fascinated by that thing that I could never do. And, uh, and basketball, I, I, you know, they begged me to be on teams. I just didn't want to be a triple letterman and I already had other sports. Right. So, so it wasn't until I moved here that I went to a couple of Hornets games and then, um, at some point, you know, the Bensons took over and rebranded and it was something new and exciting happening in the city. And I'm always supportive of anything new and exciting. And, um, and so my husband and I started going to games and it was pretty quickly a love affair for me. I, because the games weren't at all. When it was the Hornets, it was exactly what I expected. When it got rebranded, the Bensons have some magic thing where they understand that what's going to make me want to go to a game, what's mm -hmm. going to make somebody feel good about bringing their children to a game, what's going to you know create this sort of family-friendly environment where you don't even have to like basketball to enjoy going to a Pelicans game. It is a very inexpensive evening. I hate to say this, but it's cheaper than going to the movies. Um, you know, it, it's a great way to entertain an entire family or a group of friends or, you know, people from the office or any number of ways to have that great evening. And if you're a season ticket holder, which now we've been for a couple of years, yes. then there are even more benefits. Like the list goes on and on if you're a season ticket holder. There's so many fun things to do, whether you're a family or whether you're, you know, 
Like my husband and I, grown people who just want to have a nice evening. You just summed up like 18 marketing meetings in this building. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but they're working. Yes. They're working. No, the marketing good. is working because it worked on me anyway. I feel like the dome, when you go to the dome, it's like going to church. You know, there's this um, sense of ritual and and we're all there to worship our saints. And um, there's the, I don't know, there's a feeling of community that reminds me of church. Plus it's on Sundays. And and when you go to the arena, it feels more like you're going to a block party. Like you're going to this neighborhood throwdown, you know, where we're going to have like food and beverage and fun and bring the kids and there'll be games and, you know, a bouncy house or whatever. It just feels like a block party, like a really good block party. No one's ever summed it up that way. Oh, ever. well, see, that's why I'm here. And it's great. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's a great comparison between the two. Absolutely. Well, it's, I mean, look, I had lots and lots of doors open to my imagination to make me fall in love with basketball. I, if you can't fall in love with basketball when you're hanging out with the people I was hanging out with. It's never going to happen. Right. You know, I really thought it never would. Right. I really was fine with that. And the more interested my husband became in basketball as the Pelicans foreman and as Anthony Davis was signed on and as the team started to get more and more exciting looking from a distance, I thought, oh, God. I gotta do this because I love him and he does so many things for me. But it hasn't been that at all. No. No. No, as a matter of fact, the only complaint I have would be that, you know, as a female, the Saints fans, uh, as I'm pretty sure this statistic still stands, that um, there are more female uh, women, women's apparel for the Saints sells higher than any other team, even though we have one of the smallest markets. Correct. All women own a ton of Saints gear. I am no exception. I have drawers full. There isn't enough Pelicans gear for women and not enough play pretty things, you know, like earrings and what I don't have enough of. All. I'm wearing my black and blue fleur de lis today. Laura, you brought gifts too. I did. And, and I, I did say when gifts. I introduced you that you're also a writer, and this is a stack of published material here. First of all, this is the book that I want to read first. It's no called No parts. Small Parts because I think in some ways it's going to apply to me and my broadcasting career. I think I'll be able to take something from this that is geared toward actors and actresses and their careers that I can hold on to. So this is more of a trade type piece that it you is, did. It is, but I found that uh, oh, I, I published it a couple of years ago, yeah. and, and I've found over the years that people have said to me that it's actually for anybody who's having to do self-starting. Okay. Or as uh, self-employed or in any way entrepreneurial because a lot of what the book is about is enduring waiting and rejection and, you know, finding tools for coping with all that. Okay. It's a, it's a reality-based book. There are very few acting books that are reality-based. It's a reality-based book on, on how to do this career. No Small Parts, an actor's guide to uh, turning, I love this, minutes into moments and moments into a career. With then, Forward by Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> Who I was just talking about the other day from What About Bob, which is my favorite maybe. I know that sounds strange, but that's like my favorite Richard Dreyfus role. But anyway. A lot of people uh, love Lemonade that Farm by Laura Cayouette. Yeah, that's my first novel. Yes. And then here's the one that I think Saints fans are going to be really excited about. I'm excited about uh, it. This is coming out next month. The Secret of the Other Mother. Yes, a which, Charlotte Reed mystery. It's actually the first in a series that Quentin Tarantino told me to write this series years ago, and I promptly did it about 10 years later. <laughs> um, but he had told me to write a series of detective novels and, and that people would really enjoy watching how my brain works, how I figure things out. And 
I just didn't feel any connection to a detective. I didn't know what the story was. I didn't know how to write that kind of book. So I didn't do it for a very long time. And then uh, when I was doing a signing for Lemonade Farm, which mm -hmm. is a book that I spent 20 years writing that I, I mean, I got a master's in creative writing so that I'd be good enough to write it. I, I, like I really, really put myself into that book. And I was doing a signing for it, and some a number of people asked the most logical question. I couldn't believe I wasn't prepared for it. Oh, what's next? What are you writing next? And all I could think was, are you kidding me? I spent 20 years on this. Can There's I a this next? One out first? What right. do you mean next? And so I went home and thought, what is next for me? And then I remembered what Quentin had said about this detective thing, and I thought, well, what is my story? I'm, I'm doing that. What is, what is it that I'm, what is that story? And it, as soon as it hit me that I didn't have to be a detective, that it could be based on just somebody who figures things out, which is what Quentin had actually said, and as soon as I figured out that it was set in the 2009-10 Saints run to the Super Bowl, which collided with Mardi Gras, I, I wrote the whole thing in two months. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I've rewritten it a number of times right, since right. then, but I, I wrote the first draft in my hand. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 around one of the great years in recent memory of the city. So. And when you want to bottle that time, so that's what I tried to do. I can't wait. I'm going to start with. This may be on my next road trip. To <laughs> can I read the proof? Am I able to read the proof? You can read the proof. Do I have to sign anything that says no, won't divulge? That's why I put the big X across the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that was a part of the artwork. No. No. It's just, just, it's you not thought it was avant-garde? Yes. Um, All the kids are doing it. Hashtag big X on the cover. Yes. I have two other questions for you real quick. Um, number one, I can't help but ask you about friends because they just had their oh. big reunion. Uh, not too long ago, uh, and so many people who listen to this podcast grew up with that being really one of the biggest pieces. Yeah, of me too. National television. Uh, any reflection on that time in your in your career as to that stop and moment uh, as a part of television as opposed to film? You know, it's funny because I actually probably undervalued my television experiences and career until Quentin was the one who said to me um, that that I should recognize how later in life I was going to look back and see that I had been part of an era of television. That's what I'm kind of getting at here. And yes. that that was going to matter to me later in life. Well, I took 10 years off of TV and then came back with True Detective and Treme, uh, both on HBO. And I have to say, that's a different era of television. And so I really am now seeing that I was part of an era of television that has gone away. Mm -hmm. And now there's this new era of t television that I'm participating in. And now I know in advance that I'm excited to be a part of that as well. Um, yeah, when I did Friends, it was the biggest show. I mean, you know, TV was different it's back huge. then. We didn't have as many channels, and it operated differently. We still had VCRs and, you know, things like that. And, and uh, you know, we still had appointment TV. You still had to, like, get home to watch your TV. And we didn't have TiVo yet, and all, you know. And I was on the first... I was the first date that anybody had had after the big Ross, Rachel and Rachel Ross, Ross breakup. Yes, yeah. Yes. And so it was a huge episode. And I remember John Favreau was on the episode who hadn't yet, you know, directed Iron Man, but would go on to that kind of greatness. But at the time he had already directed swingers and, and we all knew him as an actor from the various sports films he's done and stuff. And, um, 
Dina Meyer was also on that episode. She had done Dragonheart, and she was a big deal at the time, too. And the guy who was playing Jennifer Aniston's date was actually a, lo a local comic who I had known from the clubs. But I had never spoken to him before. Since he and I were the only unknowns on the set, this was like my second TV job ever, I want to say. Maybe third. And um, and so we went to lunch together and and, you know, kind of, I don't know, glommed on to each other because we didn't know anybody right. else. I actually already knew Matt Perry, but socially. I knew him uh, other ways, through friends. So... The next day I come in and my little comic friend has disappeared. He is gone. And then I see a fruit basket arrive and go up to a dressing room. And then I see Ben Stiller arrive and go up to the same dressing room. And I looked around and I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> what is going on? And one of the producers walks by and I was like, what is this? And they said, well, um... Yeah, they let him go, and they went with Ben Stiller. That uh, he was a uh, an unknown, and and this was such an unlikable character. They were they felt they needed somebody likable to sell this this idea, and I I just blurted out. I was like, well, what? I'm going to come in here tomorrow, and Nicole Kidman's going to be doing my part <laughs> because I just realized suddenly that I was this now, little the, thing in yes. this big big machine. And my whole career has basically been that. My very first movie was, my very first job was the sequel to Terms of Endearment. And my first scenes were with Juliette Lewis, who had just been nominated for Cape Fear, Miranda Richardson, the same year that she was running against herself, competing with herself for an Academy Award, Shirley MacLaine. And that's just in the scene I was in. I mean, there's also Jack Nicholson, Ben Johnson. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy movie. And the part was written for me. And so my whole career, I've been sort of being told, you belong here. We want you here so much, we're making exceptions for you. And yet, uh, everywhere I look, I'm like, good God. <laughs> There's Academy Award winners to the left and to the right. That dining table in Django. Whew. Unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> I was three weeks of looking around going, wow, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. You know? But you're there. <laughs> but I was there, there and, and that part was written bringing for you me. Back. Yep. Yeah. There's no doubt. This has been fantastic. I've only got about 30 seconds left. So in that 30-second time frame, <laughs> can you give me an idea? I mean, as if you haven't been busy enough writing and <laughs> and acting, uh, you got you got like a sheet with the stuff that you still have to come here in 2016. Out. I have ten projects. Okay, right, give us some highlights. Well, of this to I come here. did mention that Convergence is out, which is with Clayne Crawford, who just uh, signed on to do the new uh, Lethal Weapon. Yes, he did. And Ethan Embry and Michael T. Williams. Um, I have Cold Moon coming out, which is with Christopher Lloyd and Candy Clark and Robbie Kay. That's based on a best-selling book called um, Cold Moon Over Babylon. Um, uh, camera store, which was written by the same guy that did When the Game Stands Tall. Oh, um, that's a good movie. Yeah, yes. I'm excited for that. Uh, then I have my John Schneider run of films. Uh, I did a movie, Hate Crime, with him, where he and I play husband and wife. It was directed by Stephen Esteb. And then after that, John uh, Schneider of Dukes and Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Oh. So oh, he wow. and I played husband and wife. And then after that. He directed me in two other movies of his called Inadmissible and Like Sun. And then Summertime, which is directed by the same guy that did um, 
Seven Pounds and Pursuit of Happiness, both with Will Smith. Yes. Um, I played Scott Bakula's wife in that movie. And uh, <laughs> this one's a fun one. Ozark Shark. <laughs> Follow-up to my big thing in Zombie Shark. Uh-huh. Um, Zombie Shark was my first ever TV movie, and that was for sci-fi. And this is the same director, Misty Tally, brought me back to be an Ozark Shark. So I'm, it, it's my second uh, uh, sci-fi, my second movie made for TV, and I, I actually think they're a lot of fun. Okay. And then last, but certainly, and I am filming at the end of this week, but I guess I'll just leave that for the next thing. <laughs> and, and last but not least, I'm, I'm in this 10-episode um, like podcast series out of Britain uh, where it's all actors out of the UK and me. So everybody else is like in Lord of the Rings and the Vikings and all this stuff. And here you are and again me. in this. <laughs> this is your career. Yeah. I, I Middleton's in it. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it is my career. My career has been, I'm surrounded by greatness. Yes. And that's one reason that writing that book, No Small Parts, came so easily to me is because I have been a recipient of so much information and wisdom from people who've walked so much further down these roads than I have. I've always been privileged to be surrounded by greatness including basketball. You're beautiful, and we appreciate you coming <laughs> <Thank> by. <laughs> um, this has been fantastic. Great. I, just, I love strong women who have great careers and just aren't afraid to try things. Oh, good. I think that's your next book. <laughs> I'm not afraid to try things. Oh, yeah. That will certainly is my T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, very good. Keep coming to the Pelicans games. I don't know how you fit it in with all this. But I know. I know. It's not easy. Better but days see, are ahead, yes. But see, that's the thing is when when the working day is done, yes. what do you want to do with yourself? You know, like I want to go and do fun things. Go and going party. to the Pelicans game, going to the block, block party, party is a fun case. thing. It's a great way to blow off steam whether you win or lose. It's a terrific way to spend a day or an evening whether you win or lose. Will you come back again sometime? I absolutely will. Outstanding. <laughs> we have to take a break. Uh, and when we continue, we'll. Uh, I think we'll... Uh, Kind of get set to wrap things up here on a Monday. I don't know who'd want to follow this. <laughs> Tremera might have to. We'll talk Pelicans Planner in just a moment. All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. The magic of Voodoo Barbecue. It's people, passion, and pure enjoyment. Seasoned with Louisiana's best, it's a celebration every day. A fusion of Creole, Cajun, and Caribbean. It's the soul, the sound, the taste of barbecue New Orleans style. Voodoo Barbecue. Pass by your neighborhood Voodoo Barbecue today. Join us at the Smoothie King Center Saturday, March 26th at 6 p.m. when your New Orleans Pelicans tip off against the Toronto Raptors. Come out early for Pelicans Fest. The fun starts at 4.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans Dance Team. Speaking of the Pelicans Dance Team, it's Dance Team Night, and the first 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a Dance Team poster. Tickets start as low as $21, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. 
The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. It's girl power today on Black and Blue Report. Thanks again to Laura Cayouette who came in today. Fascinating uh, segment with her. Tremera has popped in here on a Hello. Monday. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks. From the Pelicans dance team. We're getting down to it now, girl. 13 left. Can you believe it? I can believe it. How, much, I... fun, how much fun did you have yesterday in that win? We were so excited. I mean, it came down to the wire. We did not know what was going to happen. Were we going to dance post-game or not? But it just kept us on our toes the entire game. It was a nice lift in a, in a, in a day that had kind of some rough news with Anthony Davis and yep. Ryan Anderson and, and just stacked on top of everything else. So now you're, you know, you've split the homestand so far, one and one, mm-hmm. and a chance to – I'm, I'm into small, small windows, small victories – uh, new challenges for right. the remainder of the season. So my current one right now is win the homestand. Yes. Which you have a chance to do with Miami here tomorrow night. Yeah. I mean, if we played like we did last night, then we might have a chance. I think so. But look, coach says it all the time. If you compete at that level, you give yourself a chance. Right. Yes. And shorthanded, you better do it for 48 minutes. Right. Which almost didn't happen. Almost didn't happen yesterday. I know. I know. I know. Speaking of tomorrow night, let's get into Pelicans Planner. What have you got for us this week? Yes, tomorrow we are playing the Miami Heat in the Smoothie King Center, and it's going to be your last chance to see Dwayne Wade here this season. So you definitely want to get your tickets at pelicans.com and see that game. All right, very good. Then we're on the road on Thursday at Indiana, Mm -hmm. and then Saturday back home again. Yes, now. Now, give me the lowdown on Saturday. Okay, so Saturday is the favorite game of every Pelicans dance team member because it's Pelicans dance team night. Oh, we have reached that point in the season. We have reached that point. I'm pleased to announce that I don't think any Pelicans dance team member has ever been seriously hurt during Pelicans dance team Olympics. Okay. Is this accurate or no? Um, we've pushed it sometimes, uh-huh. but no one has been hurt. And in uh, my four years, this is my fifth season, I have lost one PDT Olympics, and I was so upset. And it was last season. But our concept was so cute. Like, we were we were Team AD. Like, we had the unibrows going on, mm-hmm. and we just thought we were going to win. We looked apart, but we fell short. Favorite event would be? I like riding the trike. Okay. This is not, this is like a souped up trike. This is a souped up trike. Okay. And I am a beast at it. So any dance team member who is listening, you might not want to do the trike against me. Fair enough. That'll be at halftime, right? (laughs) Yes, that will be at halftime. And also the first 10,000 fans will get a dance team poster. What's the theme this year? I'm going to tell you. Come on. I I have to keep it a a little bit of a secret. Are you a fan of it? Love it. Okay. Love it. All right. 
I think it actually might be my favorite so far. Is it athletic? Is it sexy? What, 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 how would you describe the look? Do I even get a, a tip on the look? No, not going to uh, tell you. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Wait, I didn't tell you the best part. Come on. You will also have a chance to get it signed by the entire dance team post-game. Perfect. On court. On court. Free so of not Free of charge. Wow. So it's not even in the concourse. Like, you can come down on court, meet your favorite dance team member, and get your poster signed. Have you been working on your autograph? Um, not, not yet. I haven't started yet. How many different ways signed your name over the last couple of years? Ooh. Have you settled on one, or are you still tinkering? I think I've signed it at least four different ways. Okay. So I don't know what I'm going to do this year. Maybe I can draw a quick pelican on it. On the end of my name. Sounds like you have some work to do. I know. All right. <laughs> Pelicans dance team night is Saturday. Home game tomorrow night against Miami. Um, I love watching the Heat play. So that'll be good to see yep. them in here. And then uh, in between, a little road trip up to Indiana. And, yep. of course, all that will be on Fox Sports New Orleans and the Pelicans Radio Network. We'd rather see you in person for the home games, especially yep. on Saturday for Pelicans dance team night. Yep. Good luck. Thank you. You know you're like one of my favorite Pelicans dance team members, so yes. I'm secretly rooting for you in the Olympics on, Thank on you. Saturday. Thank you. Don't tell the others I said that. I won't. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we got to go. Uh, good show here on this Monday. Tomorrow, um, Anthony Davis uh, will be a part of our show. He is speaking to the media today. And, of course, he's speaking to Pelicans.com. So make sure you tune into that uh, later on today, and we'll recap tomorrow before Anthony heads off to get some things repaired, unfortunately. So that'll be a part of it. Jim Eichenhofer also tomorrow with Daniel Salerson hosting the Black and Blue Reports. Thanks again to Laura Ayouet, Kamara today. Thank you. Yes, and uh, it was fun recapping the Pelicans win earlier in our show, too. Uh, no appointment radio. It's the Black and Blue Report. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for Studio B. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.